Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. This is the Believe in Pro Wrestling Podcast. Here's Rick Uccino and SP3 on the Believe Podcast Network. What is going on, everybody? Good Thursday and welcome to the start of the NFL season. We all made it. We made it. We got football on tonight. If you're with us live here on Thursday, don't worry. We'll get you out in time for the game. Ain't no problem. I think it's, what, an 8.20, 8.30 kickoff, somewhere around there. They got the pregame stuff. We'll get you out on time. Don't worry. But we are going to take our time tonight here on a primetime edition. We had to go primetime with everything that is going on in the world of professional wrestling, specifically AEW. Last night, CM Punk and the Elite vacate their world and trios championships that they had just won days prior punk omega young bucks a steel and others suspended after last weekend's altercation oh by the way cm punk has reportedly suffered another catastrophic injury so even if all of this didn't go down he would still be gone for months and there's also still the possibility he may never wrestle again for aew a lot is still up in the air because guess what, SP3, according to Fightful Select, which is killing it, now above 11,000 subscribers, good for them. They've well-deserved, well-earned. According to them, SP3, we got the Elite's camp saying one thing, Punk's camp saying another thing. None of these damn stories match up. Now they're bringing in like an independent investigator to figure out exactly what happened, which could determine who whose future is what in this company. All we know is... Kenny Omega is that dude, man. His reported number one primary job when that ball bro brawl broke out was to get Larry, CM Punk's dog, to safety. And then for his troubles, he got bit. Not by Larry, though. No, he gets bit by Ace the Animal Steel. And uh, <laughs> this, this is all nuts. This is just absolutely insane. Uh, so Tony Khan had nothing he could do last night there, SP3, but to circle the wagons, call in the troops, John Moxley pulling a Dante Hicks, wasn't even supposed to be there last night, comes out there, cuts the promo of his life, which is saying something. Chris Jericho says, uh-uh, my locker room always has been, always will be. Wardlow sent out a message last night. Had that all talent meeting ahead of the time too. I mean, a lot to just dive in here and 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 talk about. So much happening last night, um, but man, this just more and more comes out, and this story ain't going away anytime soon. I think that everybody was under the impression that after the Visic Man scandal and the resignation retirement of him from WWE following sexual misconduct allegations. Nothing would come close to that story for the biggest news story of the wrestling year. I thought after Cody, after Cody left AEW, the company he founded, and then went back to WWE returning at WrestleMania, I was like, oh, well, after the Vince thing, I was like, oh, one and two is sold up. But I think quickly, in less than a week, if my, if my time is right, AEW and the fallout from All Out 
is probably etching his way into the top two. Nothing's gonna top Vince, but this is the this is probably the number two biggest story and might have the biggest ramifications than anything outside of Vince McMahon, you know, retiring from the company in the fact that you have the biggest draw in AEW, one of the biggest draws in all of wrestling, CM Punk, go on a verbal tirade, ripping apart the EVPs of the company that he returned to wrestling after seven years on, and right in front of the president, of the company, the CEO, the guy that could have stopped all of this from the jump, and he gets into a backstage brawl with th- with three of the EVPs. So now the EVPs are suspended. They're being investigated for this whole ordeal. CM Punk is being investigated. He may be suspended, maybe a little bit more. There's reports of people that believe CM Punk may be fired and gone from the company. Even with this injury, he's injured again for the second time. So injury is really the real reason why he's had two runs as AEW world champion. And both of them lasted about less than a week before he had to be sidelined. This is like nuts. This is nuts. This is the biggest obstacle of Tony Khan's time as the owner of AEW. We said that on Tuesday and nothing that we've learned in the past two days has got me down off that hill. It is no joke. This is the biggest obstacle he's had to overcome. I think he addressed it on Dynamite. The way he addressed it, you could be happy, you could be not happy with how he addressed it, not mentioning Kenny Omega, the Young Bucks, or CM Punk, but he has no AEW world champion right now. The first ever trios champions had to be stripped of the titles on the very next show after the pay-per-view, and he had to determine new champions, and now Arthur Ashe Stadium, September 21st, is the next big show. And that's when we're going to decide a new AEW world champion. Despite all of that, AEW Dynamite was really, really good last night. Yes, it was. Absolutely. Yes, it was. It was very, very good. With their back against the wall, AEW delivered one of their better episodes of the year. Some great matches. uh, People stepping up on the mic, in the ring, making statements. Like you said, there was the all-talent meeting beforehand. And you could tell people were motivated. Absolutely. And before we dive into any of that, because I do agree with you, uh, Dynamite was really, really good last night. And I do have a counterpoint to to the people who are wondering why Tony Khan handled things the way that he did handle them last night. Uh, but first things first, got to thank our friends over at Bet Online. We would not be here right now without them. They continue to be the fastest, easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports teams, contests, and events with the first to market odds and lines. Get reviews and news for every league that includes the NFL, Major League Baseball, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and golf. Bet Online continues to be the top online resource for all your sports information from live in game betting, props, and futures. Head on over to Bet Online today. Use your mobile device as well. Sign up. Use our promo code BELIEVE50. It is B-L-E-A-V-5-0 to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. And there is a very simple explanation for why Tony Khan handled things the way that he did last night. Tony Khan ain't CM Punk. He's not going out there and saying whatever he wants, damn the ramifications. There's there's still an investigation going on. There is still uh, possible legal ramifications that are going to be happening to this. He told the fans last night, anybody who didn't know, get your head out of your get your head out of the sand, right? Um, anybody who didn't know what was going on last night, I'm sorry, 
Tony Khan told you everything you needed to know. After the results of AEW All Out on Sunday, he had to vacate the AEW World Championship and the trios titles, and we had to crown new champions. That's probably all he could legally say at that point. That is probably all he needed to say at that point because you got rumors of possible lawsuits and investigations going on. And here's the thing. It's gotten so much damn attention. Why draw more attention to it? That's why Tony Khan did what he did last night, in my opinion. I think that's what he, makes sense to me. He could. It was basically if people wanted to know A, B, and C, and he just told us A and C. Like after the results of All Out, if you read the results of All Out, CM Punk beat John Moxley. The Elite beat beat the Dark Order. That's all you're supposed to know, unless you were in the know. All he could have done, he didn't have to name drop CM Punk or the Elite. He could have said after a backstage altercation following All Out, the AEW World Championship and World Trials Championships are vacated. That's all I wanted. I just wanted two or three words added to the statement that he gave us because what he gave us was just very confusing if you don't read the dirt sheets. Well, that, that okay, and that's a fair point. But even like reading the I mean, it was it was everywhere, right? Like if you, and I get it, not everybody focuses on, you know, I, I would say that more for a WWE audience because the AEW audience is the hardcores. They they dive not, in not really. Uh Max Caster proved that with his uh with his Twitter with his Twitter uh a rap a few weeks ago when he talked about the talent meeting and then caster says something about the talent meeting and they you could hear crickets you could hear crickets the fans didn't respond because twitter is not real twitter and the internet wrestling community is not real it doesn't it doesn't represent the broad the broad spectrum of the fans that are there in the building we do appreciate uh, everybody who's tuning in, Steven and Safet and Noob and Ace, everybody who's hitting us up in the chat. Get your comments, get your questions in. Uh, a lot we're going to try to dive into. And yes, don't worry, we're, for those NFL fans out there, we will uh, get you out of here ahead of kickoff tonight between the Bills and Rams uh, for sure. We'll make sure you guys get there. Uh, if you are new to the show, thank you for joining us here on a Thursday night, primetime edition. Make sure to hammer that thumbs up button. Make sure to hammer that subscribe button. Uh, really does help us uh, drive up. Uh, our audience uh, and and get those views up, which, by the way, our last show on Tuesday was the most watched show that we have had by far. Thank you guys so much for for tuning in on Tuesday. We really, really, really appreciate it and uh, help uh, spread the word. So regardless how Tony Khan handled it, uh, I, I think the the end result was pretty much exactly what it needed to be at the bare minimum. Now, he was going to have a difficult decision regardless uh, regarding CM Punk. And that was kind of made for him because I think that injury gave him a a cop out, right? Like Punk's going to be gone regardless. So it made it very easy to go ahead and vacate the world championship. I don't think he was going to do another interim thing. There's no way you could have done another interim world championship off of another CM Punk injury. Literally day, just less than a week after CM Punk had, had won his belt back. There's no way that you could have done that. But the injury, which reportedly did happen during the match and not during the backstage brawl. So Punk was throwing punches already with a torn muscle in his arm. Um, You know, him he is a tough son of a bitch. I mean, what are you going to do? But, you know, it it gave Tony Khan that out. And when you're going to strip 
CM Punk of the World Championship. It made all the sense in the world to go ahead and strip the uh, the elite of their titles. And yeah, everybody from uh, Punk to Omega to the Young Bucks, Ace Steel, and others who were involved, Pat Buck. Uh, there were a couple of the names that uh, that are escaping me at the moment who were involved in that backstage altercation who are going to be uh, suspended as well. And now it's all going to come down to the investigations, SP3, because you have two different sides of the story here that are coming out from Fightful Select about who started what, you know, whether or not the Young Bucks kicked the door down, whether or not Punk started throwing haymakers beforehand, two very, very different stories here. And I got a, I got a feeling that the truth is probably somewhere in the middle uh, based on everything. What, what seems to be the common theme here is they still just kind of went nuts uh, during, during, <laughs> during this whole comment. I mean, literally went nuts uh, during all of this. He's been taken off the road. Probably he's not going to be back, I would expect. I, I I hate to make this comparison, but I said A Steel is the John Laronitis in this story. There's allegations going on. There's gotta be a fall guy. Gotta be a fall guy in all of this. And A Steel does seem like the fall guy because he went nuts. He threw a chair. He's like, he's like, I, I feel my wife is unsafe. My wife is in the room and throws a chair. Like, that could have hit your wife. What are we doing? What are we doing? And then he grabbed Kenny Omega, poor Kenny Omega, who just trying to protect the dog, just trying to hit the dog out of harm's way. He tried to he protect gets, the dog and then protect his dog. And then, you know, every, you know, got bit. He got bit. He got his hair pulled. This was just ridiculous. But and then yeah. he got suspended. Like, I um, feel like, I feel like, like Kenny Omega, according to any and all reports, I don't really feel like Omega did anything. Nah. Like. He was there with the Young Bucks as, as backup, but that was it. Like, it doesn't sound like he instigated anything and was just trying to break things up and defend people. And I'm, I'm pretty sure a lot of the other guys who were sprinkling in were probably doing the same thing. But, I mean, until you figure out what the hell happened, I mean, I guess you just got to do if you're Tony Khan. That's, that's the best way that you can handle this. And this is exactly what we said that he needed to do on Tuesday. He needed to set a, a um, precedent. precedent. Yes, he needed to set a precedent. Look, these are my top guys. These are four of my top guys. I ain't going to take this shit. And this is exactly what needed to happen, and we'll see how the investigation turns out. But this does, as you said, this creates a massive challenge for Tony Khan because now all of a sudden, his dream, he hitched his wagon to CM Punk from the second that he showed up in AEW. Kenny Omega was a champion at the time. He had this two-year-long story that he was doing with Hangman Adam Page that he was going to pay off. That was already in the works. That was going to happen. But for the better part of what, 18 months, two years, he was trying to woo CM Punk. He was trying to talk CM Punk out of retirement. He put about as much effort into making Hangman Adam Page the AEW world champion in the first place as he did just getting CM Punk into the same damn company. He could have thrown everything at CM Punk right off the bat. He decided not to. He decided to wait. He decided to slow play. He decided the story was going to be Punk is still trying to get his feet back under him. He's trying to get figure out if he can still do this. Can he still hang? That was the story all throughout the winter. Does this great feud with MJF. Now, all of a sudden, we get to the spring, and he starts this, this big moneymaker. First million-dollar gate, as Punk brought up in his, uh, in his post-media scrum or tirade, whatever you want to call it. It's really more of a tirade, tirade. than it was a media, media scrum, right? He had other things on his mind other than all the positives he could have focused on. He had other shit on his mind that he was going to talk about. But this was supposed to be money. 
This is this is what Tony Khan had been building up for. This is what Tony Khan was hoping for. CM Punk takes the title from Hangman Adam Page. And now, boom, here we are. We're set up for this big reboot. All about the reboots these days, SP3. It was going to be the Summer of Punk 2. Just three. Well, okay, whatever. So, Summer <laughs> of Punk 3, reboot, re- new edition. Summer of Punk sequel. That's what it was going to be. Nope. CM Punk, the first night on Dynamite after beating Hangman Adam Page for the championship, does a stage dive out into the into the crowd, busts his foot on the gate, wrestles the match, pulverizes the bones in his foot, according to the doctors. Had to get 16 screws. Couldn't get out of bed for two weeks. Had to not vacate the championship, but he had to set up this whole interim thing with John Moxley and had him carrying throughout the summer because this dude couldn't go for three months. Grueling rehab. Comes back. Loses to John Moxley. Gets squashed. And then you have that big culmination moment. Have that big culmination moment in Chicago where he wins the AEW World Championship. And then he gets hurt again. Reportedly tears a muscle in his arm. Probably his tricep. That seems to be the running theory. Now he's out for nine months. Just that, without any of the backstage bullshit, is a nightmare for Tony Khan. Then honestly, honestly, that. honestly, the injury was a blessing to Tony Khan. Because we heard reports before the the whole suspension that they were talking about he could possibly fire or get rid of CM Punk. Imagine the positions uh, Tony Khan would be in. He gets his biggest draw, his favorite wrestler growing up, CM Punk, to sign with the company, makes him AEW world champion, and he gets in a backstage fight with the EVPs to the point that you have to think about firing him. This injury was a blessing in disguise. When he when he found out that Punk was injured, he was probably like, "Oh yeah, you know, you know, I can't fire him now. It would be it would be unethical, unethical. What are we What are we talking about here? I would he never might still do have something. to fire him. He might still have to never, fire him in the investigation. Would, he will not. He will not fire him. I don't care if the investigation finds out that CM Punk shot somebody. He will think twice." about firing CM Punk. That is not what Tony Khan is going to do. But yeah, I mean, CM Punk is very hypocritical. A lot of the things that he said about being a professional and not lowering himself to stuff. But he was the one that let this out. Like nine times out of 10, most fans thought it was weird what Hangman said to him before Double or Nothing, but they didn't think he was going into business for himself, like CM Punk definitely did in response, and then he held it in so much that he had to blow up on everybody. He had to to drop a nuke on All Elite Wrestling with that post-media scrum. Like, it's, it's out of, it's out of control what's going on in AEW. It doesn't look good. You know, you got some fans who are saying they won't watch, but then the ratings is up. They did over a million again for, for last night's show. So it's a catch-22. I think AEW is in more headlines and more talked about in the wrestling world than it's ever been probably as much as it was last year around this time when they brought in Punk, they brought in Brian Danielson and Adam Cole. I think it's more talked about now because this is like the biggest kind of backstage blow up that we've seen in professional wrestling in almost a decade since CM Punk left WWE. Yeah, I'm. So, I, I we were talking about this earlier. I'm trying to think when the 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 last big like public blow up like this was, especially one that ended up having ramifications on 
television and changing storylines. The first one I thought about was Edge and Matt Hardy, and then you had to remind me, oh, no, this is, a again, we talk about reboots and sequels. This is just CM Punk's MO because this is what happened in WWE. You had that big public blow up back in, what, was that 2014? 2014, yeah. 2014, so, yeah. Man, life comes at you fast, man. And, yeah, I don't know how we got here. Like, again, that that line that that Hangman dropped completely went over my head. I don't know. I feel like this is something that, that could have been corralled by Tony Khan, that could have been squashed backstage, that you could have had an argument, get these guys in a room. This is something that could have gone away, could have gone away months ago. But, again, it was left to fester and grow. And then CM Punk, man, just had a vision in his mind of what he needed to do to, to right this wrong against him. And it included calling out hangman Adam page on this, on a public stage where everybody was like, what the hell was that? And then we get, okay, we thought that was behind him. We thought they were even, we were square. And then all of a sudden he comes into the, the media room. And I swear from the second that, Nick Halsman, poor Nick Halsman, who handled that situation like a total pro. He gets the microphone. I'm sitting right next to the dude, and he's like, punk. And then punk goes, I'll start, Nick. And I'm pretty sure everybody in that room had the same exact reaction that I did. Oh, shit. It's about to go down. That was re. That was rehearsed. Even Dave Meltzer. Dave Meltzer said it. Yeah, that was rehearsed. It definitely was rehearsed from the very beginning. Everything that that see not to say like CM Punk was in a mirror saying it line for line, but he was prepared. He he had he had mentally prepared himself to do what he did at that post media scrum. And it was almost like faith that Hausman had the first question, because it's like he he talked to Nick and got Nick was the first one to bring up Colt Cabana. <laughs> like somebody with history with Colt Cabana. It was almost like it was fate. I don't know what would have happened had I had the first question. Like, again, I'm right next to Nick. It was Nick and then Rick, and they handed the mic to Nick first. Thank God, because I don't know how I would have handled myself in that situation. I probably would have gone full deer in the headlights, right? Because that ain't punk working. That's punk shooting. And I don't want to be in the crosshairs of CM Punk when he's shooting. All right? I just don't but he had other business on his mind because his targets that day were hangman adam page again and then he had it in his mind that it was all the evps it was omega hangman or excuse me omega and the young bucks that were leaking out all this information about colt cabana getting moved to ring of honor and blaming cm punk for that and he had it in his mind that they were the ones that leaked all this information but then you talk to the guys who were reporting on that Ross Sapp said, hey, I never talked to Kenny Omega or the Young Bucks. You got Meltzer and, uh, and Alvarez saying, we never talked to Hangman or talked to Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks. So it's like, don't know where all of this animosity got built up toward the EVPs all of a sudden, but they are friends with Hangman. He's going in after them. He's going after Meltzer. He's going after Alvarez. He was just firing them off one after another. He had children in that room asking him questions and was immediately dropping F-bombs afterwards. Like, it was absolutely insane. It was total insanity, total anarchy. And that was just the start of the entire night. I, I think Tony Khan, if he had a chance to get that one back, would have shut CM Punk down after five minutes, maybe, if that. Like that first question, get him out. 
See you later. Bye. Or the second that he started talking about the EVPs, cut him off. Cut him off. Yeah. Get him to shut up. Get him to shut up before this escalates even further. And again, this is where I have an issue with what Tony Khan did is because he let it reach to the point of no return. I understand you're dealing with a lot of egos. You're dealing with a lot as the owner of the company, as the main booker of the company. You got so many people coming in and out. You got so much talent, so much to focus on TV. Plus, you're part owner of an NFL franchise and, you know, uh, uh, European League soccer and all this other stuff. Tony Khan's a very, very busy, busy man. But when you have something like this that is just allowing it to fester and grow, he allowed it to get to the point of no return where it completely just blew up in his face, and now he's got to deal with the consequences. But this is also a big moment for Tony Khan because I think it's a big learning moment for him early on in his tenure as a, as a wrestling promoter and company owner. And I also think that this is a very, very big opportunity for him because he's without a lot of heavy hitters. You add into the guys who are suspended. You add into the fact that Adam Cole is hurt. You add in the fact that Christian is also hurt. He's going to be gone for, for nine months. He tore a triceps uh, before uh, All Out, which is why you had to do the squash angle with, with Jungle Boy. This is now a moment for Tony Khan to where he's going to have to lean on his bench. And a lot of these guys, I'm talking the, the, the Miros and the Andrades and the Buddy Matthews and the Kip Sabians and the Ricky Starkses of the world, right? Lean on these guys. Push these guys. Build up your next generation of stars, right? You you got the guys who've been basically sitting in AAA, just sitting there, developing, waiting for their opportunity. Now is his opportunity to lean on these guys. You wanted your summer of punk. You wanted your fall of punk. You're not going to get that. Now it's all about figuring out who your world champion is going to be. Hopefully somebody that can bring some stability to it. You still have Moxley. You still got MJF who's back. All of a sudden, MJF looks like the savior. Who would have thought that would have happened four months ago? You got Chris hey, Jericho. He also, he also looks like the top heel. He he did an excellent job of going from one one hat to the other. But um, honestly, I feel like John Moxley saw all this coming. That's why John Moxley pushed Tony Khan to do the angle in Cleveland. He was like, just make me the undisputed AEW world champion. <laughs> you know, you can do the punk rematch at all out, but you can also just keep the title on me. You know, he was supposed to take a vacation. He's supposed <laughs> to be on vacation. This man is out here cutting masterful babyface promos, a phenomenal job that he did last night. And he is really the anchor, the ace, the flag bearer of AEW. So I think he was trying his best to be like, Tony, let me help you out of bad situation. I know you want to go with punk, but let me beat punk. And then we, then we can revisit the match at all out, but you could also keep the title on me. I'm just saying it, it, it seems like that that's the right decision. I don't have any issues back here. Yeah. And tried and to help what, you Mox tried to help Tony. And in hindsight, man, if you think about it, let's just say that Tony Khan was like in a situation where he had to flip a coin, right? All right, well, let's just say it landed on tails instead of heads, and you decide to go with John Moxley over CM Punk. Now, all of a sudden, Punk doesn't have his platform on that media scrum, and none of this, this, this fight doesn't happen. None of this headache. You still have your EVPs. You still have your first ever World Trios Championship. So hindsight being what it is, yes, I think Tony Khan uh, would have kept the title on John Moxley and probably should have anyway because Punk has... It, it, it was pretty obvious that Tony Khan brought CM Punk in 
to be the guy that John Moxley has always been for this company from the get-go. John Moxley, for the better part of three years, has been the best professional wrestler in the world. You had him. You had him there, ready to go. He was white hot. He was on the run of a lifetime. One of the most overly booked guys, or the strongest book guys, not overly, but strongest book guys in your entire company. Tony Khan even mentioned it in the media scrum. If you missed it between all the F-bombs, John Moxley had been pinned on Sunday on level playing field without getting screwed over for the first time in three years in one-on-one competition. That's, that's insane. He probably should have just stuck with Mox. That seemed to be his guy. You wanted to do the whole thing with Punk? You probably should have called an audible and just kept things going with Moxley because you needed stability in that moment. And now you have anything but. And now here we are with another damn tournament to crown another damn champion. And oh, by the way, you have MJF waiting in the wings. So what's the stability there? Are we really about to just crown a champion for them to for them to drop the belt to MJF when stability is what you desperately need right now? That said, MJF was brilliant last night. Absolutely brilliant. That MFR got in there, or should I say MJFR? That MJFR got in there and cosplayed CM Punk. Like everything that has ever been said about CM Punk, he came in there. Oh, I love the fans. I love this company. Everything is great. Go Buffalo. Go Josh Allen. This is all awesome, right? Also, perfect timing considering the Bills are starting the NFL season the very next day. So all of that was just perfect timing and perfect placement. And then the second something goes wrong and it didn't go MJF's way and John Moxley comes in there and tells him to get the hell out of his ring. He ain't got time for his BS. All of a sudden, that's when the true colors come out. That's when the true MJF shows himself and he starts throwing a hissy fit, right? That was totally cosplaying pretty much the entire story arc of what CM Punk of what played out, right? Of what everybody has said about CM Punk. That's what Je- that's what MJF did last night. And then John Moxley, just uh, uh, the white knight for Tony Khan, comes in on his day off and cuts a passionate promo about what AEW and that world championship means to him and what it means to everybody and how this company is in dire need of leadership. I thought last night you had several guys step up. MJF, just because he's now your top heel, he's got to take over that that top spot, that top role there, and you expected that with him back. But John Moxley, I thought Chris Jericho, who I have been very impressed with how he has handled that situation, especially that media scrum, I thought he was absolutely wonderful, even though he knew that shit was going down backstage. He didn't play his hand as all, at all. He sounded calm, cool, level-headed. Looked like the biggest adult in the room for for everybody, like and the guy who made the most sense and was putting over MJF and and talking about the business. I thought the way that Chris Jericho has handled this with the backs with the the what he did in the media scrum, with what he has done in the talent meetings, to what he did talking about this is my effing locker room, it ain't changing. I thought Chris Jericho has been great throughout all of this, and then it was great to see Wardlow get that spot last night where he just absolutely decimates. Tony Nice, and then gets on the microphone and say, Hey, I've been reading all that shit you've been saying. Uh-uh. Ain't no momentum dying here. You, you, you all gonna remember who the who the fuck Wardlow is. Which to me tells me that Tony Khan has remembered who Wardlow is, remembered how white hot Wardlow was, 
and is going to start focusing more on him in that TNT championship, which is a good thing. I think those four guys all shown last night that these are going to be the, the main central figures for Tony Khan moving forward, and they probably should be. I think I think you're missing out on some people. Even Death Triangle, they stepped up uh, in in the ring with that trios matchup against the best friends. Probably their two most reliable trios and established trios in all elite wrestling, providing an awesome opener to the show. Uh, Brian Danielson and Hangman Adam Page. Hangman Adam Page is probably so happy that our good friend uh, Cher Delaware gave a bottle to uh, Dax Harwood and Cash Wheeler. So he was drinking early backstage and decided to dip out. So he's he he was the person most talked about during that post from uh, and he had no idea what was going on. That actually showed up. That actually showed up on this show, and they had a hell of a match. One of the best TV matches of the year from any company was Danielson and Page uh, last night. And then uh, Daniel Garcia and Wheeler Yuta in the main event. Those were three quality matches, and all of those guys stepped up. They not only stepped up on the microphone with the guys that you're mentioning, but they also stepped up in the ring. So it was a real night where AEW had their back against the wall and they stepped up and had a great night of wrestling television. So I really enjoyed the show, but MJF and John Moxley were the two best promos out there. But John Moxley is an all time babyface promo. He's right up there with your Stone Cold, with your Rocks, with your Dusty Rhodes, with your Hulk Hogan in the 80s. Not all the way. Hulk Hogan in the 80s, Macho Man. Let me tell you something, brother. The top babyface promos of all time, John Cena. Yeah. John Moxley is up there with all of them, and he continued to deliver, but this might be his kind of his masterpiece because this was him really taking the flag and saying, this is my company. I'm the heart and soul here. No one's going to push me aside in the fourth quarter. Winners want the ball and I want the damn ball. And that was basically saying, Tony Khan, crown my ass. Give me the belt back and let me fucking run with it. That's what John Moxley was saying last night. I think that was a message to not only the fans that AEW is going to be all right, but also to Tony Khan saying, hey, look, I'm the Jordan here. Give me the fucking ball. Steven says AEW will survive without Punk Omega and the Bucks. They have a very deep roster. They do. Why not push Miro, Andrade, Hobbs, Wardlow, Cassidy, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, yes, I, I wholeheartedly agree. And I think Ricky Starks needs to be uh, in there, just like Jake is talking about. Ricky Starks is the king of maximizing minutes. Um, we got that, that promo that he cut, the video package. We didn't really get a follow-up. Uh, from Ricky Starks after, after he, look, he got his ass kicked at, at all out. Now that match was supposed to have a little bit more time or at least was budgeted more time, but it ended up being short uh, for one reason or another. There, there's a lot of talent here that this company could lead. On. I mean, let's look, I mean, look, you got Claudio. I know, I know you got, you, just look at your ring of honor champions. I know they're kind of carrying the ring of honor brand right now, but you could, you could, you could hang on Claudio. You could hang on Samoa Joe. And, and push those guys in, into major spots as well. Ethan Page, Kip Sabian, I brought those guys up earlier. Those are guys who have, who uh, Andrade especially, have been guys who have been vastly underutilized uh, since they've been brought up. And it's, it's all a numbers game. It all comes down to a numbers game. Well, now all of a sudden, when you skim your top four guys, and you got two other of your top guys who are out due to injury, it creates opportunity. Let's next man up. You always hear that in sports. Well, our top left tackle's out. We ain't fucked. It's next man up. And that's what Tony Khan has to do. And he's he has built that well of depth. And the other thing, at the risk of sounding like a broken record, this would be a great time for Tony Khan 
to fully tap into a resource that, for whatever reason, he has yet to fully tap into. And I'm talking about the oil reserve that is his freaking women's division. Like, we had total damn chaos going on. If there was ever a time that we could get two actual women's matches on a damn dynamite, it, sh- it could have been this Wednesday. And when that still didn't happen. We we did get a match with Tony Storm after she won the interim AW Women's Championship. Good match against Penelope Ford. I thought Penelope looked great in that match as well. Didn't get any promo work. Didn't get any, you know, not really any advancement. She doesn't really have a clear challenger. We'll talk about that next. So it's like, where does Tony Storm go now that she has the title? But Tony Khan still has like three really strong like women's storylines that he could focus on. One being Tony Storm and her run, run as the women's champion. Two is is Jade Cargill. No follow up there after her win over Athena. But I still think that that's that's a storyline that there, there's still meat there because even though they've been feuding since Athena has got there, hell, since before Athena got there on Twitter is where that feud started. It didn't really get time in the buildup. It didn't really get time on the pay-per-view. Those two could really make some magic together. And the only reason Athena lost is because the baddie. So you could continue that because otherwise Jade Car- Cargill doesn't have a clear challenger because she's already beaten everybody else. So you focus on Tony and whomever you focus on Jade and Athena really utilize them there. And then you got Britt and Jamie Hayter, which finally started on Sunday. That is a big time main level women's feud that doesn't revolve a championship in AEW that is going to do numbers. People have been waiting for that one. Didn't have Britt Baker on the show this week. She was at a red carpet for Cobra Kai season five. I believe she was on a red carpet on Wednesday, but you tell me we couldn't, but you tell me we couldn't get Jamie Hayter on the show. Well, they, they did. They showed the, the footage from after, after um, the pay-per-view, which I'm, I'm here for. I, you you're you're complaining about stuff that they haven't been doing for three years. I'm I will I will praise them for the stuff they are doing different now is that they finally listened to us and have been putting the women's matchup in the first hour. All That's I true. can all I can be appreciative of is small steps because it's been it's been crawling and barely knowing how to walk with this women's division for three years. And at a time where he has bigger pressing matters. I'm not about to rag on him for the women's division no, last I, night. No, I'm, I'm just saying now is the time to, to ramp it up because look, you and I were both there in Chicago at all out. That crowd was white, white hot for the acclaimed and swerving our glory. I mean, arguably the loudest they were with the exception of maybe the main event, right? All damn night. And then immediately after that, they did the women's fatal four-way. Now the crowd could have been tired. It could have been a, a, a circumstances of bad positioning, whatever it is, right? Crickets. It was mostly crickets throughout that women's title match, which is very, very unfortunate giving the talent. And Tony has talked about this before where it's like, well, you know, our, you know, our women is constantly like the lowest, you know, rated segment, this, that, and the other thing. And, and, you know, well, Thunder Rosa is not the biggest draw, not a big draw as CM Punk. And he's always talking about how no one, it seems like the excuse is always, well, not as many people care about the women's division, which is accurate, which is totally accurate. And that's exactly a result, as you have called it, a self-fulfilling prophecy for, with, with Tony Khan. He has not put as much effort into the women's division and getting them time and giving them storylines and making people care to the point where, guess what? 
they don't care. It's not a lack of talent. It's a lack of focus. It's the same thing that we said with the, the men's mid-card championships in WWE. If you don't act like the Intercontinental title and the United States Championship give a shit, it doesn't matter, we ain't going to give a shit. There is a very loud vocal minority online who is pushing for more women's time. But so far, the main AEW roster, they're not into what they're seeing on the product because they don't think it matters because they aren't being shown that it matters. And that's where Tony needs to start improving and be patient. We know you can be patient. You did a whole two-year-long buildup to hang that out of page win the world championship. We know you can play the long game. If you just give the women some more time, or about a little bit more time and give them a little bit more substance and, and, and don't just throw their matches on dark and elevation, people will start to care because you do have a wealth of talent that you haven't tapped into yet. And I think now is a prime time to do it. Yeah, I mean, of, of course, any time, any time would be a prime time to do it. Right? <laughs> it's been three years. Like, yeah. I'm not going to make excuses and be like, now is the time to do it. Because, no, the time was to do it was a year ago. Tony, right. get your stuff together. I, but I, like I said, I, I, I don't think it's the time even to even criticize that part because that's been criticized into the ground. The time right now is to come up with solutions for the issues that they have at hand that they need to deal with. They've shown for the past three years that, yeah, they haven't done the most with their women's division, but they ain't dying of, uh, due to that. This may be something that starts the downfall of AEW with this whole situation with uh, CM Punk and the Elite. But I agree with most of y'all in the live chat. There are ways to focus on the different people like your Lance Archers, like your Miros, like your Andrades, where it's going to make it's going to make the loss of the Elite and Punk not too bad for them. And then when he gets used to that, then we can go back to criticizing him for the women's division <laughs> and asking him to focus more on the women's division. Let him deal with one struggle at a time. Jake saying MJF proving that he could uh, be a baby face, but then showing his true colors is absolutely fantastic. Uh, the show severely missed uh, MJF. Look, MJF came back at the exact right time. Uh, the, the stars aligned for that. That was a, a godsend at the fact that everything that was boiling under the surface between punk and hangman and the elite just happened to boil over at the same time. They were already bringing MJF back into the fold. So now punk goes away. And now the guy who's going to get the biggest pops of the night, the biggest reaction, whether it's baby face or heel, regardless, I mean, this is a dude who got cheered in Chicago after CM punk won the damn title. He got cheered. The people love MJF and Jericho said it best in the post media scrum. He has gotten to the point where people hate him so much they love him. And that's what happens. That's how you build an organic baby face is you become the best heel in the business and the fans appreciate you and they love you for it. And then all you have to do is flip a damn switch. And I think MJF is at the point now where all he's got to do is flip a damn switch. It's just who's he going to flip the switch to. And that brings up the question of now with MJF being set up here for a world title shot, who wins your world championship? So let's talk about that, shall we? It's time to answer the five count on the Believe Podcast Network. Thank you guys for tuning in, by the way, making us a part of your Thursday evening. Make sure to hammer that thumbs up button. Make sure to hammer that subscribe button. Always appreciate the love. We're closing in on 500 subscribers. That's a goal I had by the end of the year. 
Thank you guys uh, very, very much. By the way, you can follow us on social media as well. So, you know, when we're going to do all these shows and when we have some some cool stuff coming up, um, I, I did have some really cool stuff that was planned uh, for this week and next. Um, I, I feel like those got kind of put on the back burner and that may or may not have something to do uh, with the ripple effect that was caused by that post-media scrum. Uh, so, unfortunately, that's got put to the back burner, but I will always have cool stuff coming up on this channel, so make sure to subscribe. So, Tony Khan had to strip CM Punk SP3 of the AEW World Championship, which meant uh, that uh, we need a new world title holder. And instead of just opening up the show uh, with John Moxley in a dream sequence and just pretending like that night and, and All Out never happened, uh tony khan went to the well once again this is aew so now we have a grand slam tournament of champions to crown a new world champion uh brian danielson did defeat hangman adam page last night in a tremendous match uh which by the way that result was accidentally spoiled by chris jericho but eh, whatever shit happens uh so we're gonna get jericho and danielson next week we got sammy guevara and darby allen on friday the winner will go on to face john moxley uh next week and then we get the finals at Dynamite Grand Slam in New York, Arthur Ashe Stadium, September 21st. SP3, what do we think about Tony Khan's solution here? How do we feel about another tournament? How do we feel about the bracket and who wins? A lot of questions there, but it's it's a multifaceted uh, situation we got going on here. What I would have done is I would have put all three former champions in this in a four-way Hangman out of page, John Moxley, Chris Jericho, and then have like a four person tournament to decide the fourth person in the tournament. I think that the tournament has been ran a little dry as far as AEW. I feel like we have gotten a tournament before every pay-per-view. I'm pretty sure we have. Um, because you had you had like the, the battle royals to determine who's gonna be in the three way for the for the AEW World Tag Team Titles at Revolution. You had two Owen Hart uh cup. Oh, uh, God, cup I, forgot, I, I forgot about the Owen Hearts. You had yeah, two Owen Hart tournaments going into Double or Nothing. You had the All Atlantic Championship tournament going into Forbidden Door. And you had you had a tournament to deter uh, for the AEW interim world championship. And now you got a tournament of champions here. So I like the people included in the matchup because I feel like all six, despite Jericho Moxley and Danielson's, you know, association with WWE before this, all these guys feel like they are AEW. They feel like AEW guys, especially like Sammy and Darby and especially Moxley and, and Paige. So I think that they, they made a good choice in that one. And I'm very interested to see who wins out, who's going to the finals. My pick for the finals and my pick to win, I think AEW Dynamite Grand Slam. It's going to be the Battle of the Blackpool Combat Club, Moxley versus Danielson 2 here in AEW. And this time, Brian Danielson wins and becomes the AEW World Champion. <sighs> It's tough. Like it, it really is. I, I look at this bracket and I agree with you on the finals, but man, and I want to agree with you on the winner. Like I really do. And there's part of me that loves the idea of this bracket for, for Danielson here. You beat Hangman, you beat Jericho, you beat Moxley. You just beat all three guys outside of CM Punk who and, and Kenny Omega, who were the AEW world champions. So you would have beaten all three guys who are the active members of the roster who have been AEW world champion to capture that title. And I do think that Brian Danielson has been 
uh, for, for the last year. Like, Van Nielsen was kind of brought in as an afterthought after CM Punk. Again, Tony Khan brought in CM Punk to be the guy. He didn't bring in Brian Danielson to be the guy. Or Danielson would have won the damn title by now. He would have been in the situation that Punk is. But falling back now on Brian Danielson is not a is not a bad thing at all. It's actually great depth. And again, shows the depth of the roster is the fact that Danielson, for me, has kind of fallen into that category of Adam Cole and Andrade and some of these other big guys and Miro who, who have been underutilized. Now, I know Danielson's had these big matches. I know he's had big matches and, and big rivalries, but he hasn't, he hasn't come out on top in a lot of those. This is an opportunity for him to come out on top and become the AEW world champion, which a lot of people have thought he should have been by now. He can still be utilized in certain ways, but still be underutilized SP3. He has not lived up to the booking that you would expect a Brian Danielson to have when he came in. You can't deny that. Yes, I can. I don't know what the, I, you know, I don't curse a lot on this show. I don't know <laughs> what the fuck you're talking about. This man, this man's first matchup was against AEW world champion Kenny Omega in a sold out Arthur Ashe Stadium. He then went on to verse Minoru Suzuki, Eddie Kingston. Miro, he was in the finals of the the World Title Eliminator Tournament and won it at full gear. Then he ended off 2022 in a five star 60 minute classic against Hangman Adam Page. He started this year in another 30 minute classic against Hangman Adam Page. Before Revolution, he was in one of the best feuds heading into that pay per view with the whole story of him and John Moxie, which led into the Blackpool Combat Club with William Regal. Coming out of Revolution, the Blackpool Combat Club was one of the hottest things in the promotion and then went into a feud with one of the top heel factions in the Jericho Appreciation Society. I think for y'all, this is not the first time I've heard this argument, but I think for y'all, since he got injured at Double or Nothing, you think that that two months that he wasn't doing anything is underutilized when he's hurt, he's injured. That's the reason why he's not being used because when he's used again, he's been in a great a great three-match series against Daniel Garcia. The whole story of Daniel Garcia being in between Chris Jericho and Brian Brian Danielson is one of the better storylines in AEW right now. He had a great match against Chris Jericho at All Out. Had another great match against Hangman Adam Page. What the hell are y'all talking about underutilized? Do y'all realize that this man, for the last three, four years that he was in WWE after he lost the WWE Championship, he had two forgettable runs with the SmackDown Tag Team titles. He had he had a couple of great matches with AJ Styles, and he had a great match, a couple of great matches with Roman Reigns. But that's it in three years. And y'all telling me this man that has had great match after great match after great match has been nothing short of a workhorse for All Elite Wrestling in the past year. You're telling me he's underutilized? You're telling me he's on the same level as Andrade, who they couldn't pick who could be his manager? manager and he's been stuck in the Hardy family office. You're telling me he's underutilized like Miro, who was one of the best TNT champions and really hasn't done anything since. You're telling me he's underutilized like Malachi Black, who comes up with his own stable, who is so creative and now does is not even with the company anymore? Are you fucking kidding me? Are we watching the same thing? Am I the only one watching this show? Maybe underutilized is the wrong word. Because I get what you're saying, and I did a terrible job of explaining that. Like, basically what I'm saying is, the, like, because you're right. He has been all in all of these situations, and he has 
uh, have put on banger after banger after banger. I'm not, I'm not denying that, but I think people, you know, when he was brought into the company, maybe expected a certain level from a win loss standpoint. And, and that's where it's kind of fallen here a, a little bit. I mean, the, 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 the man's been around for a year. Yes, he has wrestled for championships. He hasn't won anything yet. And I think a lot of people look at that and will go, oh, he's underutilized. I agree with you. I don't think that's necessarily the right word. I would put him in the same family of, I think he could have been a bit more accomplished, maybe, especially with some of those other guys. I'm not saying that he's been he's been miscast and, and, and thrown aside like the mirrors, though. I'm saying you could have done a bit more with him, maybe. But I do agree what with you. What else you want him to do? Yeah, he can't win the world title. Like you literally, literally, you had people when he versed Kenny Omega. They didn't want that to happen because they was like, "Oh, if it's for the world title, it's taking away Hangman's moment." Hangman got his moment. Then the first challenger was Brian Danielson. Then after Hangman, it had to either be CM Punk or MJF. They're always they were always going to be ahead of Brian Danielson. What else did y'all want? Like um no like like, like no if you if you go if we're gonna say comments and we're gonna say that's the excuse what else could, is he possibly supposed to win he won a tournament he did that we say they do a lot of tournaments in yep. this company and he won one wasn't he a was he a late replacement in that tournament I can't remember no nah, that was Miro, Miro that was Miro and he beat late. Miro right yeah. Regardless, he has a chance now to win his first AEW World Championship. Does he get it? After what Moxley did for you over the summer and what Moxley did last night, how the hell you not give the belt back to Moxley? That's my question. I I, I, I feel like it's too soon to give it to give it back to Moxley because I I feel like he shouldn't have even took the title off of him. At all out at this point in retro, if we if we had a uh, retrospect in hindsight, yeah, it would de- I definitely wouldn't take the title off of Moxley, and the, probably the move to go would do Danielson and Moxley at Grand Slam with Moxley as the champion. But if you can't do that, I think that's the best option for Grand Slam, and then the winner of that versus MJF at Full Gear. And that's and I, I feel I feel like Danielson is the perfect person because he doesn't need a lengthy run with the AEW World Championship just to shut y'all up about him being underutilized or unaccomplished. He just needs to win the championship, and it doesn't matter if he holds it for two months. Yeah, because that's the other question. Does this tournament even fucking matter? (laughs) Are they just going to put it right on MJF after the winner wins the damn belt? That's the question. Like, this is a moment where, you again, I go back to the word stability. You need to create stability with the championship. I feel like MJF's just going to take it off the winner anyway. So we probably ain't going to get any stability until full gear. And how long is MJF going to have it? We'll see. MJF didn't change at all, though, last night. I mean, he's dropping Triple H references. He's talking about my my, my good friends over in WWE. He's talking. He's still talking about the bidding war of 2024. He's talking about how you might take that championship over to a real company. MJF was one of the MVPs last night for sure. Ain't no more tournaments as far as the trios championships are concerned. We already had a trios match set up on the show. Tony Khan said, "F it, it's now for the gold." And at the end result, we get Death Triangle. And now we got Tupac. We got two belt Pac uh, in AEW, the first double champion in AEW. You want to talk about a guy who was underutilized for a very, very long time in AEW. It was Pac. Now, all of a sudden, he's a double champion. 
trios titles go on death triangle as opposed to the best friends i was rooting for the best friends to win this match because i would have loved to have seen orange cassidy and trent get some gold in aew what do you think they think they might did they make the right choice by putting the titles on the death triangle last night Yes, I feel like they're the most reliable, established trio in all elite wrestling. You know, when you put those three guys in the ring, they're going to have a great match, whether it's been against Def Triangle this year, the United Empire this year, or that match against the best friends. Uh, Def Triangle, Pac, Penta, and Phoenix have delivered. This sets up natural uh, matches, too, for the trio championship. The United Empire defeated Def Triangle in the tournament, so they got to be in line for a title shot. Of course, the elite, when they return, have to be in line for a title shot. If Malachi Black hasn't gotten his release, Alsa Black has a win over Death Triangle. They have to be in line for a title shot. If there's a new uh, trio from, from Dark Order, that's a new matchup that hasn't been explored too much as well. So there's a whole bunch of that you can really kind of flesh out the trio's division, and Death Triangle's the perfect anchor for that. Yeah. I think I was fine either way, but I definitely do think I, I would have to agree with you. I think they're the they're the perfect anchor to kind of carry everything through here. So, yeah, in hindsight, I think they 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 made the right choice. I wouldn't have been mad either way. Uh, Steven says when uh, ten comes back, Death Triangle versus Dark Order. Absolutely, you could do that. Frantic World Axing uh, isn't uh, Mox trying to go on vacation? He's supposed to be on vacation, but who knows how how long he's going to take that off? Because look. AEW is coming to Cincinnati on October 18th. I highly doubt he's missing that show. Uh, so I don't know if it was going to be an extended vacation, but he might have taken a few weeks off and then come back for the uh, Cincinnati show. That might have been his triumphant return uh, is when he was going to come back. So it's going to be interesting to see now that he's working all the way through Arthur Ashe, whether or not he does take the vacation uh, afterwards. That's going to be uh, interesting to uh, find out there. One other match that was set up for Arthur Ashe. Uh, Tony Khan teased it in his media scrum with Swerve and Keith Lee, which most of which was in character. By the way, guys, you can watch all of those media scrums right here on the Believe in Pro Wrestling uh, podcast channel. They're all up there right now, Every from Punk's tirade all the way down. Really, really good stuff from everybody. I shouldn't say good stuff from CM Punk. Definitely interesting stuff uh, from CM Punk, but great stuff from everybody else. Alluded to the fact that we were going to get a rematch after that absolute barn burner that we saw between the acclaimed and swerve in our glory in chicago we're getting it again in new york sp3 true or false the acclaimed should win the aew tag team championships at grand slam it's true listen it's true <laughs> listen oh man yes i was there live to hear that crowd kind of explode for the acclaimed Oh, scissor me, daddy. Great chance. Oh, this is me, this daddy. is their moment. This is Caster and Bowen's moment. New York City is where they were brought up in the independent scene. It's where both guys are from. They deserve this moment more than anything. And Grand Slam needs one of those big title change moments. You had your big moment with the dream match of Danielson and Omega. You don't have that dream match that you could just put out there at Grand Slam at Arthur Ashe Stadium. But seeing two New York boys win the championships in the in that big stadium, I think that would be a key thing to making it memorable. If this was the plan all along, right? Like 
And who knows if it was. Maybe Tony decided to go this route after hearing that reaction in Chicago. It's hard to tell for sure. But let's just say, right, let's just say this was the plan, was to have the acclaimed lose in Chicago only to win in New York just two weeks later. If that was the case, how the hell are you not going to call an audible in, in Chicago based off of that crowd? That I crowd don't think crowd. this was the plan. I think yeah. that he listened to the crowd at all out, and now it's the plan. Yeah, I, I think that would have to be the case, right? Because so many people brought up the idea of, oh, man, if, if there was ever a time to call an audible, that was the time. Well, that depends entirely on a lot of what your plans were for one, the tag team division as a whole, but also Swerve and Keith Lee and Swerve and Keith Lee kind of dove into that, into their media scrum in character, a lot of it, but saying, Hey, look, yo, we're fucking awesome. Like this, let us do us right. We're carrying this tag team division right now. It's not our fault that we make other people look so damn good that you want all you want them to win. And I, 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 they kind of sold me on that. I do feel like people have been like, oh, I don't know. Like they just been kind of down on, on Swerve and Our Glory as the tag team champions for some reason. And been saying, hey, well, maybe they should put it on this guy or this, that, and this, that, and the other thing. And Swerve really hit into that in that media scrum. And then he comes out, man, and he pulls this ultimate heel move last night. All anybody wanted the entire effing day was to hear what Max Caster was going to say in his rap. And then Swerve's music hits and cuts him off and just nuclear heat raining down. For me, that's a heel turn for Swerve. I don't know if Keith Lee is a heel, but you saw there were multiple spots in that tag team match in Chicago where they weren't on the same page, where they were taking each other out. And you were thinking, oh, shit, now this is what's going to happen, which I think has totally set Tony Khan up to where you can do that same stuff in New York, except it actually costs Swerve on our glory. And then you can move forward with Swerve as a singles heel, which I think there is massive amounts of money in, and you can push him as a major single star. And you can also push Keith Lee as a major single star. I think with with Punk gone, with Omega gone, again, it's all about elevating other top single stars. And I think you also have that in Keith Lee and Swerve Strickland. So now you can move them into the singles ranks. Yes, they've been great tag team champions. I wouldn't be mad if they, if they, um, retained either but again it comes down to if you ain't going to crown the acclaimed now when are you ever going to do it i think you, this isn't a anti swerve in our glory statement it is just a pro acclaim statement i think it's their time they've won more matches than anybody they're hotter than anybody they're more over than anybody elevate everybody involved put the belts on the acclaimed Turn Swerve heel for real. Have him feud with Keith Lee. Top babyface, top heel, new tag champs. Everybody wins. The answer to that statement is true. Talked about Tony Storm earlier, about how she does not have a clear-cut challenger now that she has won that fatal four-way to capture the interim world title. Didn't hear her talk last night. Did see her wrestle. She did beat Penelope Ford. Fill in the blank, SP3. The first challenger to Tony Storm should be whom? It should be Ty Mello. Ty Mello. You need an established heel 
to get some to get the the crowd behind Tony Storm. I will say you said the crowd was quiet during the all out four way. I don't think it was really quiet, but I will say they were quiet for Tony Storm. I I would say Tony Storm got the least amount of reaction from the crowd. So this is, you know, putting the interim championship on her to build her up. But to see, I would say her going after, you know, the JAS ladies, whether it's Anna JAS or Ty Mello, that is kind of the best route for them to go. There's Serena Deeb is also a great option. I know she has a matchup on Rampage, so they might be building her up for a title opportunity. But I feel like it's been too soon. You know, you saw Thunder Rosa go against Serena Deeb. Or and Nyla Rose, I think that you need Tony Storm to have something different. So time mellow would be the route I would go. I am in the exact same way. Uh, I was thinking of starting with Anna JAS and then moving on to Ty Mello. I think this would be a great route to actually do something with the ladies in the Jericho Appreciation Society because right now, Anna J, ever since she's turned heel, all she's done is like attack people and choke them. And like it was funny, like the first two weeks that it happened, and now it's like, okay, is this her character? Because that's that's not a character. It's it's not. It's it's not character development. It's okay. She joined her best friend at Jericho Appreciation Society. She helped the boys escape the shark cage, even though they just slipped through the bars because they couldn't get the lock off. Uh, but you know, it's like, okay, now what? You don't have a women's tag team division. I think it would be great if they actually like went after the women's championship and tried to bring that world title into the Jericho Appreciation Society. I think that is the the absolute perfect place to go. And Tony Storm should be on TV every single week. She should be wrestling every single week. She should have a promo every single week. Again, yes, I agree with you. I don't think the crowd is fully invested in Tony Storm yet. You have that vocal minority online who loves Tony Storm. Again, it all goes back to investment. You invest the time. If you're patient, if you tell people this person's awesome and we 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 are invested in her and you show them that they matter, they will matter to the audience. You just got to be patient with it. I definitely think uh, that's the right way to go. Um, and then you know what? At some point, Jade Cargill has to challenge for that world title, does she not? She has to try to go after. How is that not the next step for Jade Cargill is to try to become a double champion? She's beaten literally the entire roster. So how is that not the direction they're going to go, especially with Chris Statlander out, who was starting something with her, also starting something with Thunder Rosa? You know, I think that was that was always going to do their thing at the end of the year, and I don't think with Tony Storm in the interim championship, that should be it. It should be after they settled, they unified the interim title and the AEW Women's World Championship. I think after that, either, you know, full gear, winter is coming, or the beginning of next year, that's when you do the Jay Cargill going after the top title uh oop, holding up steven saying at the acclaim win tag titles rick and sp3 wear scissor me daddy t-shirts hey mine's already in the mail i'll pro <laughs> i'll uh i'll proudly wear that that one's uh for sure jake saying everyone loves the acclaimed exclamation point scissor 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 who would have thought remember when tony khan said nah we can't be doing scissoring on tv because it's too vulgar and now it's now you got scissor me daddy chance Thousands of people in Chicago chanting, scissor me, daddy. Look, I'm going to go back to a classic John Oliver line. Wrestling is just better than the things that you like. And that, that that's just a stone cold fact at this point. And last but not least, it's not really a question, um, but it is um, 
It, it is what it is right now. Malachi Black reportedly granted his conditional uh, release, and we do wish him all the best with whatever is going on. There was that moment uh, for the live crowd only there, SB3 on Friday, where after he ate the pin from Darby Allen for Allen, Sting, and Miro to win the six-man tag match against House of Black, House of Black hugged. Malachi got up, took a bow, blew a kiss to the audience, and left. And immediately, anybody who paid attention was like, oh, what's going down there? Will Washington of Grap City on Fightful Select asked Tony Khan in the media scrum about that, whether we should read anything into that. Tony Khan gave us the old no comment. And then the report came out that talent, as far as is, is under the impression that Malachi Black uh, has been granted a conditional release. Of course, one of those conditions would be the fact that he can't just go up and, and go to a uh, to WWE. This is, um, you know, this is somebody that Tony Khan obviously wanted signed him to a five-year deal probably had you know uh some long-term plans with him at least we would hope uh this is one of those guys who's definitely been underutilized since for the last year since he's been brought to the company that's the correct usage of that word in that situation malachi black definitely fits that mold no argument there um whatever's going on with him just hope he's all right just get get right whatever's going on i know he had to back out of another indie promotion uh, another indie event because of uh, of personal reasons whatever's going on with malachi i hope he's all right and i hope to see him in the ring again soon because he is a tremendous performer but at the end of the day you got to take care of yourself first. yeah that's the most important thing and you know i i feel like it's very crappy that his mental health uh situation had to be involved in the reports on this and i think that wrestling media just needs to get better as far as that unless the person themselves is making it an open uh open public thing about their mental health situation i don't think it should be a part of any re any reports in that in that type of degree but malachi black is so talented so creative whether it's on the mic whether it's in the ring you know he was always going to be successful in professional wrestling and despite him yes being underutilized in aew i think that uh he was always i think they had a long-term plan for him especially signing to a five-year deal so i'm hoping that he could take this time off and away from the wrestling business and come back refreshed and that we haven't seen the last of malachi black in a professional wrestling and you know what i, I will say the same thing for uh the house of black you, you can relabel them, but I mean, keep, keep the momentum going with them. Those are three, the people who are left really, really talented performers in their own right. And you could continue to do something with Brody King and Buddy Murphy and, and Julia, poor Julia. Like it, they waited so long to finally pull the trigger on this to get her into the group. She's just now finally getting her footing in the group. And now all of a sudden the group is what we don't know. Um, but I would hope Tony Khan could uh, maybe find another person to kind of lead it. Who knows what they might do with that? Maybe they wait to see if Malachi decides to come back. I don't know, but you definitely have some talent there that you could still uh, use and push separately, if not collectively, uh, as a unit. We do appreciate uh, everybody who joined us here this evening. I know NFL is coming up. Y'all are anxious to get to that. I know I am. Uh, so we'll go ahead and, and close out here. Absolutely insane week. Still got SmackDown tomorrow night. Braun Strowman's back. He's going to be on SmackDown. Uh, interested to see what they do there. Who knows what reports are going to come out next surrounding this. 
Jesus. Again, I go back to what I said on Tuesday. Who would have thought that like Stone Cold Steve Austin wrestling at WrestleMania would not be a top five wrestling news story in 2022? Maybe not even top 10. And by the way, guys, it is September the 8th. We got three plus months to go in this roller coaster that is 2022. Strap in, folks. Strap in. It doesn't seem like it's slowing down anytime soon. And no matter what happens, we're going to have it covered for you here on Believe in Pro Wrestling. Enjoy your Thursday. Enjoy the NFL. We'll be back Tuesday where I'll be celebrating a 1-0 Bengals team. Where SP3 will be recapping whatever the hell happens in wrestling because he's not that big of an NFL. Who do you, Are you a Jets or a Giants guy or you don't care? Don't care. There. You're going to be talking about uh, some trade, right, that Cleveland made in the NBA on your channel soon, right? That, that's something you're going to be doing. Check out the True Heel Heat channel. They, they got all that stuff covered for you. Yes, yes, MCASP. I should be calling it the ro- roller coaster uh, as uh, MJF dropped last night. Absolutely, I should. All right, guys, I'm going to shut up. Go enjoy football. This is Believe in Pro Wrestling Podcast brought to you by Bet Online. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.